Hello, everyone, and inside this episode of Lockdown Canadians, the Habs top the bolts in a Stanley Cup rematch in the shootout. Jordan Harris makes his NHL debut. We're going to break that down and so much more in our three up and three down. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 586 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. If you're listening on a podcast platform or your first watch of the day, if you're watching on YouTube, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba, and Kind of pull the curtain back a little bit. We're recording this early on Sunday morning because we both have a lot of important things to do. Uh, I have to do laundry. Laura has not laundry to attend to. So I'm Laura to the to, to the to the showcase. Yeah, Laura's doing the cool thing. I'm I'm doing stuff around the house because I've been lazy all week to do anything else. So um, Laura, besides uh, being excited about going to the PWHPA showcase, how are we feeling? Uh, it's on well, it's Victory Sunday, but Victory Monday when people are going to listen to this. So, well, that was a really entertaining game. Sorry, I'm like a little bit thrilled. Like this is what I look like in the morning, and now all of our viewers know that. <laughs> um, uh, the um, the game was really fun and exciting, as you know, Scott. I kept missing the important parts, so I had to go and thankfully, like uh, I could rewind them on my PVR. Um, and, uh, it was, it was fun. It was exciting. They played really good hockey. You know, we saw against, against the Canes, against Florida, we saw some bad play. We saw some bad periods, but against Tampa, they played arguably their best periods on the road that we've seen. And they played them against a team that even though right now they're in a slide, they are still a Stanley cup contender. They are still legitimately, they've got a shot at a three peat. They won the last two. They obviously beat the Canadians in the last one. And I, I loved what they did. You know, Martin St. Louis said, no, don't make this about me. Don't make this about me. But the team really wanted to win for him. And so they implemented all the things that he's been teaching them so far. And I really liked the way that they responded. And to be honest, they're, you know, like the goals, the goalie interference, the goal that got called back. It was like very questionable to me. Like I thought that the Canadians could legitimately have won it in regulation because I really... I don't agree with the goal with the goal that got called called back. Uh, what well, do you mean the one that they let stay the uh, sorry short yeah it, sorry it is the, when, when Martin Saint Louis <laughs> challenged it and yeah. uh, it 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 counted. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm used to the Canadians getting their goals taken away from them. So and that's the thing is I was on Game Over Montreal with uh, Andrew Berkshire and uh, Lauren Kelly and we talked about it and that it's like all of us kind of agreed that we don't know what the standard for goaltender interference is and we kind of looked at the play as that Sorelli stick pushes Allen's pad and then Sorelli runs into him as he's falling down. I don't, if he's trying to avoid contact or not, it doesn't matter. He still runs into the goalie and the yes. puck goes in and prevents him from making the save. And that's why I don't get like, they're like, well, he wasn't pushed in or anything. It's like, it doesn't matter. He ran into the goalie 
I don't understand what the standard for goaltender interference is. And I'm very glad that that missed call, and I'm going to call it a missed call because I think it's terrible, didn't overshadow the rest of the game there. Is that uh, earlier in the year, that's the kind of goal that goes in and the team just wilts. And yeah, Tampa got up to a 3-1 lead, and then the Habs came back, and then Tampa took the lead, and the Habs came back again. This was one of those no-quick games that we've come to see from the Canadians, only they won this one. They didn't lose in overtime. And it was just a wild game back and forth. It was fun. It was old school goaltending, both in terms of the statistics and just the style of play. And like it was everything that happened for the Canadians in that game was a lot of good things. We saw goals from Yessi Alonen and Corey Schooneman and Cole Caulfield and Josh Anderson. We saw guys that we want to see taking that next step forward, taking that next step forward a little bit in this game. And we're going to talk about Mike Hoffman in tomorrow's episode a little bit. And he's like, I feel like I'm picking on the guy, but he's the only one who stands out in a, that it's like, I didn't notice you do anything effective in this game. Like Tyler Pitlick had a nice assist. Ryan Paling also had an assist on Jesse Alonen's goal. The defense looked really solid. Corey, uh, Corey Allen, Jake Allen looked really good. And they didn't give up a back breaking last minute goal to Corey Perry. Like they had in the other two games. Even if they had lost that game in a shootout, I go and look at this game and went, they went punch for punch with Tampa in regulation. Yeah, Tampa played the day before. They went punch for punch with them in overtime and then lost in a skills contest. They Only didn't they didn't because Nick Suzuki. They won in the skills contest. I know, but if they had lost, I would have been like, ah, oh, well, it's a skills contest. Who cares? They have to keep <laughs> the Kucherov and Steven Stamkos and this and this and this. And the Canadians are like, I really hope Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield do something amazing most of the time. But it, it was just a fun game. It, I mean, yeah, they are, they're up to 30th now in the NHL. Ooh, but like. Oh, no. Oh, no, the horror. It's not like they're still not going to lose a bunch of games now. <laughs> but. It's one of those character-building wins. And for Martin St. Louis, this was his first trip back to Tampa as a coach, I'm pretty sure. Like, that's yes. a very big deal. And for him to get a win, you got to imagine there's a lot of money on the board and a lot of guys going, we got to win this one for Marty. And it really looks like that was a driving force. They were so excited, too. And that was the thing, because, like, Martin St. Louis kept saying he didn't want it to be about him. He didn't want it to be about him. But the players wanted it to be about him. And it just shows how well... This, this is going so far. And I just want to say, like, real quick, the, the audacity of Sorelli to be complaining later in the game about a non-call. I just wanted to point that out. Like, Tampa has, like, very quickly become a team that I used to admire to, like, the supervillains of the NHL. And I am here for it because, it, like, it happens to every team that finds success, right? It happens to every team that's perennially good is that all of a sudden, like, the knives come out and people start hating on them. So I did on, on the Locked On Canadians Twitter account, I, I, I put society must move beyond the need for the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> uh, and this is why. It's because they are now supervillains. And the worst part about the supervillains is they win a lot, right? Like, this isn't, like, the... The, like the the Toronto Maple Leafs who are the main character um you know how does how does Tampa affect the Toronto Maple Leafs in fact they might actually keep them out in the first round this this time uh that's what I'm hoping for or Florida or anybody or Boston that would be good good as well either way um I did I just I, I found that the Canadians you know you saw them in the Stanley Cup final even they were riding this high of beating teams over and over again they were having they were 
um, you know, they were coming into Tampa with a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum. And then, you know, the first segment, the, the first period, the first shift, they sort of lost all their confidence and they wilted and you could see it on their faces like they were shocked by Tampa. And that's the kind of attitude that they've had in the previous games in the season against them. But this time around, they were the no quit Canadians and they were doing it with a lineup, as you guys pointed out on Game Over last night, where the David Savard, Joel Edmondson, uh, were two veterans, I guess. And then Alexander Romanov was the most experienced NHL defenseman in that lineup behind those two. So uh, it was it was a really interesting game. And I just, I love how they found the way to win. And they were so happy and so excited for their coach. And I'm really glad you actually mentioned the defense because coming up in our next segment here, we're going to talk about Jordan Harris's NHL debut. We're going to talk about Justin Barron, Corey Schooneman, and a little bit of Alexander Romanov. We're going to take a look at what these young guys did uh, against in that uh, shootout win over Tampa. But first, if you followed this show, you know that this show loves Built Bar. Laura has them as a midday snack when she's working. I take them hiking or if I need something on the way to work in the morning. They are the ideal protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They are covered in 100% real chocolate, low calories, low sugar, low net carbs, but high in protein, everything you want. And if you're a big fan of Built Bar, we highly recommend you check out Built Puffs. They are protein-infused marshmallows. You can melt them in your hot chocolate, and trust me, it's a delicious treat. It's a great snack. And if you go to Built.com right now, you can see all the flavors they have available. They have things like white chocolate cookies and cream, mint brownie, raspberry orange, something for everybody. And they are always adding new flavors all the time. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Please go take a look. You can put together a box of whatever flavors you want to try, a nice sampler box, and find out which flavor of Built Bar is for you. And that's built.com, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. All right, so Saturday, uh, we had talked about it going into the Carolina game, is that we were wondering when Jordan Harris was going to make his NHL debut. Uh, Martin St. Louis said, I'm not going to rush anything. When I think he's ready, he's going to be in the lineup. And apparently, very quickly uh, after the Carolina game, uh, Martin St. Louis saw a lot of things that he liked in Harris's game. Uh, Chris Weidman was a scratch, but and St. Louis made it a point to say, Chris Weidman has not played badly. He's just rotating bodies in. And I think that's important that it's not a punishment that Weidman was taken out of the lineup. Yeah, he has his limitations, but he hasn't played poorly. And it was nice to see Harris make his NHL abuse, got a solo rookie lap in Tampa. And to be quite honest, he had a really, really nice debut. Tom under pressure, everything that uh, like we talked about with Russ from Lockdown Flyers about what style Harris plays. Uh, as far as NHL debuts go, you got to play your first game. You played well. You got a win over Tampa against your coach's old team. It, it was a pretty much dream debut short of scoring a hat trick if you were Jordan Harris. I Yeah, I agree with you. I think one of the things that I, I noted right away wasn't just that the coach was giving him a lot of, uh, of a lot of opportunity, which Martin Saint Louis is now becoming known for. Right, he's putting you in that position right away and seeing what you've got and what you bring. He just seemed so 
poised, I would be crapping my pants, to be honest. My NHL debut on a huge stage against one of the best teams in the NHL, and my coach is is returning for the first time, and we really want to win it for him. I would honestly, I'd fall apart under those circumstances, and he was just so confident, so poised. He is coming off of playoffs, obviously, right? Um, and he is coming off um, a really good year for him. And I do think that, I just, I think that, you know, he 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 just came on the ice and he he just played who he is. He didn't try to be somebody else. He tried. He he literally just tried to put his best foot forward. Obviously, there was that thing with with the helmet coming off and the delay of game penalty, but that happened to Romanov as well. Maybe that's just a defenseman ritual in Montreal now. But I I just I loved how smart his decision making was. I loved how he didn't play like he was in over his head. There was no panic. There was literally just good decisions, good decisions, good decisions. And and I love that Martin Saint-Louis rewarded that by putting him in the first three on three shift. And that's the thing is it, it, Harris was trusted in overtime. And I made a joke that Dominique Ducharme would never. And a bunch of people promptly went, yeah, Harris wouldn't have even been playing in this game because Ducharme wouldn't have started him at all. And I went, that's probably mean, but also fair. It was all young defensemen stepping up in this game. Uh, we talked about this on game over as well to keep, you know, mentioning that is Alexander Romanov was the third most veteran defenseman in that core. <laughs> and he has what a season and a half of NHL experience. Whereas Joel Edmondson and David Zavard are obviously much more experienced, but Romanov is having to be a leader on defense there. And he has his flaws in that sometimes he doesn't read the play the way that he should. And I think working with a skills coach and continuing to round out his game can help him become the defenseman he's capable of with his mobility, his physicality, and his ability to play in both ends of the ice there. But all these young guys are playing a lot of minutes. Corey Schoenemann was on the ice a lot, and they weren't static pairings. I saw Harris out there with Schoenemann. I saw Harris out there with Edmondson. I saw him out there with Savard. And they're running just through the pairings and just letting it ride, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, Justin Barron and... This is not a criticism. Justin Barron did not look as comfortable as Jordan Harris did in this game, but that's okay. Jordan Harris is a little bit older player, has more experience playing in men's leagues in the NCAA, and he has a little bit more polish to his game. But Barron was still trusted by St. Louis, rough around the edges or not, to start overtime. And I think the biggest thing for me was that in that overtime period, uh, Jake Allen makes a save along the post. He's covering it. He's got his legs pinched along the post with a puck underneath that. And it was either Victor Hedman or Ross Colton came in and they kept jamming at his pad after the whistle and Baron skates over and he just duffs a dude in the mouth. <laughs> and there's no better way to endear yourself to a teammate than standing up for your goalie in a situation like that is that Baron has his flaws, but he's going to be there and he he's going to stand up for his teammates there. And I think he's going to turn out just fine. He needs a little bit more polish there, and I think a little bit of time in the AHL when the NHL season is over, not a bad thing. But I, I like watching St. Louis trust these young guys in overtime because it's such a stark contrast to uh, Claude Julian going, you know, Philip Deneau, Thomas Tatar, or Brendan Gallagher, and like Jeff Petrie or someone to start overtime, or Dominique Ducharme putting out Ben Sherratt with, uh, you know, Christian Dvorak and Yol Armia or something like that. And then wondering why they're not win. scoring. Yeah, he's trying to win the game with these young guys, and I really appreciate that kind of uh, 
that kind of coaching style. Right. And that's the thing. It's like by the time you get to overtime, you have to think about where's your best offensive skill, right? So obviously you start your Cole Caulfield and your Nick Suzuki, and then you need somebody that's going to play well with them that can move the puck. You know, they might not have, they might not be a sniper or anything like that, but they need to be able to move the puck. That's so important in overtime. It's really not the same as uh, a five on five. So I really like how Martin St. Louis gets that because part of three on three is a little bit of a crapshoot all the time. And you look at the teams that win and that do well in the overtime, they just have the better offensive skill on the ice when they do it. And so uh, to me, like that's just something that Martin St. Louis is like really getting that the previous two coaches did not. And, and that's the thing is it goes with his whole idea of concepts in this and that is that he just, he gets it. I, I don't have a better explanation for that. He just seems to get it. And uh, there was the interview in the athletic with uh, about his return to Tampa where someone could, uh, called him a combination of Bill Belichick and Ted Lasso, which <laughs> I'm like, I can't imagine two more, more different, different people, <laughs> but I get it. He's intense. He wants to win because he's a competitor, but at the same time, he understands that things aren't always going to go his way. And he's kind of sifting through who is and who isn't part of the future of this team here. And, to see that trust in these young guys in a season like this against a very good Tampa Bay team is that, yeah, you got through the first shift against, you know, Sergachev and, or Hedman and Stamkos and whoever, and then it's Palat and then it's this. And then he's trusting these young guys and that's what you want in this. And obviously it paid off and we haven't mentioned Corey Schumann. He got a second NHL goal. He continues to be a guy that I think a lot of people are shocked by. And if people have been following my coverage of the rocket for the last two years, they shouldn't be. But that's just going to be me bragging about that a little bit. So obviously things are looking up defensively in Montreal. Obviously there's a long way to go and we're in a minuscule sample size for some of these guys here. But I like seeing what Martin St. Louis has done. And speaking of positives, speaking of some negatives, it is time for three up and three down. And that's coming up in our next segment. But first, as I said, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline, and BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest developments, including the Masters starting this week, podcast interviews for every different sports league around the uh, around the world, actually. And BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so it is our Monday episode, and it is probably one of our favorite things that we get to do on the show besides the Friday mailbag or apparently eating disgusting things for everyone's amusement, which please subscribe on YouTube. We hit 500. Laura has to do something gross, which I can't wait to see. No bananas. She's allergic. Don't be rude. Don't be a jerk. Uh, Laura, I guess we should start with the downs this week because I want to end on a positive note on Victory Monday here. So uh, who is your first down of the week? I don't want to sound like we're picking on him, and we are. We promise we're going to do a segment completely on him and his play and what's going on there. But Mike Hoffman has not endeared himself to me between last week and this week. Uh, so he's one of my downs simply because I understand that he's not getting the support, but he's not adding anything, and he's kind of subtracting sometimes. So I'd like more adding. Yeah, my, my favorite part about Mike Hoffman in this was that goalie interference goal that counted is him just slowly sliding into frame and he's got a stick picked up on his shoulder and he's just kind of thousand yards staring into the distance. And I'm like, this is a guy who wants to go home. Like 
I, I admit that the season's probably tough on him is that he came in thinking he was going to be on another playoff team, going to be a contributor here, and it all went awry, and that's out of his control. But, man, out of everyone who's had bad seasons, like Mike Hoffman's has been – you talk about it, It's the most noticeable because when you're really good at something and you're not doing that one thing – Everyone can tell. So right. that's unfortunate. Um, my other down, I, I it, it's the NHL standard of goalie interference. I don't know what it is. I'm not blaming Anthony Sorelli. I'm not going to blame the NHL officials on the ice because they're being told what's happening by the war room in Toronto. The league itself has to figure this kind of thing out. Like, what in the hell are you doing that that – which should be a cut and dry version of goaltender interference is not goalie interference. Like I, I don't know what is and isn't goalie interference. Brendan Gallagher sure as hell let people know he's tweeting from in the building that he, that he would have, that that goal would have been overturned if it was him. And I don't think he's wrong in his, uh, in his assessment there. I agree. And it it's so confusing because like you look at the rule as it's supposed to be applied and you're like, well, that's what happened. He prevented the goalie from moving side to side, right? Like, it li- literally looks like that. And then, you know, and it, it's really funny that Brendan Gallagher obviously was the one who tweeted that because he didn't tweet anything that was outwardly critical because then he would get fined a ridiculous amount. Uh, but uh, he clearly, he made it really clear that, like, the standard is not applied in a uniform manner. And, like, sometimes a goal needs to be called back. And personally, if you eliminate Jake Allen's ability to move in such a way that he might make this safe to me that is like it was pretty clear to me when i was looking at that i was like that clearly looks like goaltender interference like if that's not goaltender interference then what is and then everybody responds with when brendan gallagher's the one scoring the goal that's when it's actually goalie interference which i get and i understand and um and it does feel like that sometimes but truly i don't like that st- the way the standard is being applied and i just I like I'm it's going to be a down until they fix it. Yeah, it, it's it's wild to me is that this is not the first time we've had to complain about goalie interference on this show within like the past two and a half weeks. Like I don't have the energy this early in the morning to do a full rant on it because one, my neighbors would hate that. I think the dog would hate that. I think Carly, who is making breakfast in the other room, would hate that. And nobody wants that. So uh, in terms of other downs, I don't really have much from that game. Like we the only negatives were goaltender interference and Mike Hoffman just kind of, you know, was Mike Hoffman. Like I, I, I can't really complain about too much when you have a win like that. Cause it's just fun. Um, I guess my next down is that they have to play Ottawa and I just don't like playing Ottawa even when they win, because it's always very, very silly. Cause Canada is a silly, silly place. Uh, and I will leave it at that as to um, <laughs> not disparage a franchise who had their owner just pass away. And that, would be rude of me to do so as much as my feelings about the uh, senators are well known. So we're going to jump right into the ups and we talked about him in the last segment, but Jordan Harris's NHL debut hits my up list for this week. I think, you know, helmet penalty aside, which, you know, not his fault. He plays in a full fishbowl in the NCAA. His helmet doesn't exactly come off easily there. Uh, I was a really big fan of what I saw. I really am glad that this deal got done. And we might be talking about his teammate, Jaden Struble, in the next little bit here. Uh, uh, I have to look up what Elliot Friedman actually said in 32 Thoughts about that. But Jordan Harris's NHL debut, it's a huge thumbs up for me this week. Absolutely. Same here. I have no disagreements on that front. 
Uh, and I guess because, like we said, he's going to stay on this list until he stops scoring goals at an absolutely absurd pace. Cole Caulfield did the damn thing again. Him and Rem Pitlick on a 2-on-0 breakaway, and he roofs one over Brian Elliott's shoulder. He's up to 15 goals on the season. He has 20 points in 30 games under Martin St. Louis or something. Something ridiculous. Like, he's on pace for, like, a 96-point season over 82 <laughs> games under Martin St. Louis. And just Dominique Ducharme. Speaking of people that we keep dumping on and we swear we're not doing it personally, jail. Just go to jail, please. <laughs> you, we're going to talk about it. Go back to later. hockey school. Go, Yeah, exactly. Go back to the queue. Reassess what you've done in your life here. We're going to talk about awards, and I'm going to go into the ground thinking this now, is that Dominique Ducharme's incompetence behind the bench cost Cole Caulfield uh, his chance at a Calder Trophy. I absolutely agree. And uh, you got to love Cole Caulfield mic'd up. I thought it was fake at first, but no, it was him. He was mic'd up at the end of the game. He was like, Bonne nuit, Bonne nuit, Tampa. Oh, is that what that video? Because here's the thing is, I saw that video pop up when I had gone to bed after watching The Rocket last night. And I didn't want to play it. While no, I was that's sleeping. what it was. He was yelling, Bonne nuit, Bonne nuit, Tampa. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have. Okay, so I'm going to watch that after this show is over then. I, I love that small goal scoring child. He's my favorite. So, He's got um, so much personality which i i literally we talked about it in our in our last couple of episodes i thought he was some like shy little kid right he's not he's absolutely like having fun he's having the time of his life loving playing hockey and he was so happy for his teammate and his line mate and his bff uh that he scored that winner and uh i i love that personality and i want to mention jake allen as my third up Jake Allen has been playing lights out, even though he's been losing, he's been playing amazingly despite the refs for whatever reason, hating him. Like what did he do? I don't understand. Everything goes against him. Yeah. Like Jake Allen was going to be my third up as well. And again, we mentioned that game over is that between the mask incident um, getting run into in this uh, and then the net popping off and the refs just letting play continue. I'm like, what did what did Jake Allen do? He's the most mild-mannered person on the Canadians, save for maybe like Nick Suzuki. And the officials this week have just been like, what if we just ruin his life? Like after that <laughs> helmet incident against Carolina, even Blues fans are like, how did they make Jake Allen so angry that his veins are popping out of his neck? And <laughs> he faced 40 shots again. And he got a win this time. He's facing a lot of pucks, but he's playing so well. And all due respect to Samuel Montembeau and Caden Primo and Andrew Hammond, who is in uh, New Jersey now, none of them, I think, would have put up the same results that Allen has put up in these games. And his presence is a big one. And for all the teams that didn't uh, want to trade for Jake Allen at the deadline, you're stupid. To be quite honest, you're very, very stupid. Because I'm glad probably... they didn't, though. I really didn't want to lose him. I've told you from day one of this season, I don't want to lose Jake Allen. <laughs> I, I'm very glad that he's here through next year, too, because I think we're going to see a real even split with goaltending between Price and uh, Allen because Gorton and Hughes both come from a no, more mo new school mindset. Gorton obviously was in uh, Boston for a little bit when they had Rask and Thomas, and in New York where they had you know, Lundqvist and Georgiev and then Shesterkin and Georgiev, and they kind of balance that out there. We're going to see a lot truer 1A, 1B thing here, but I am very glad Jake Allen is here. I'm glad he's not going anywhere for the time being. And for the time being, that does wrap up our show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick, and you can follow myself at Scott Metla. 
You can find us wherever you get your daily podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. We are closing in on 500 subscribers. So please, please, please help us hit that goal. And when you are done listening to our show today, please go check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey, where they have all the info you need to cash in and win a championship in any of your fantasy leagues this year.